Hello, welcome to Chiroticast, a podcast about rhetoric, current events, and how big ideas play out in our daily lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth Thorpe. Our goal at Chiroticast is to look at how rhetoric functions in the real world. There is a drama playing out in Indiana that is a microcosm of tragedies occurring all over the U.S. right now. Indiana is currently in a fight over public education, much like many states in America. But today, the spotlight happens to be on Indiana and Senate Bill 167. Senate Bill 167 is a sweeping and restrictive education bill that would radically alter education and the way teachers do their jobs. Education professionals are doing everything they can to fight its passage, but Republicans are pushing to get it passed regardless of what educators and professionals have to say on the matter. It seems these days that we are requiring more and more education training and credentialing of our educators just so we can ignore what they have to say. Let us not mince words. This bill is designed to strip educators of their agency, to take control of education, to restrict content, to whitewash curriculum, to propagandize to students, to instill conservative dogma in educational curricula, to eliminate critical thinking, and to maintain control over students. Highlights from this bill include, a governing body shall establish procedures for the Curricular Materials Advisory Committee to have access to all curricular materials and educational activities, review curricular materials and educational activities, make recommendations regarding curricular materials and educational activities to the governing body, and present recommendations regarding curricular materials and educational activities at a public hearing of the governing body. It may sound great to have some oversight on curriculum, but what that does is strip educators of their autonomy, and educators are the professionals who are trained to educate. We demand that teachers get all this training and education to know how to educate our kids. They know what they are doing. Then to demand this oversight for their work undercuts their authority and makes it so that they can't do their job. Another highlight, the Curricular Materials Advisory Committee shall be comprised according to the following parameters. At least 40% parents of students within the school corporation, at least 40% teachers and administrators, The remainder of the positions comprised of interested community members who are not employed by the school. It's great that there will be teachers and administrators on the committee. And some parents get some input. But why do people with no connection to schools need control over what happens in the curriculum? How are they supposed to know what is going on in the school and how it operates and what is best for students? How would they know what is best in terms of education? These decisions should be left up to educational professionals. That's why we demand so much training and education from them. Another highlight. 
A state agency, school corporation, or qualified school, or an employee of the state agency, school corporation, or qualified school acting in an official capacity shall not direct or otherwise compel a school employee to affirm, adopt, or adhere to any of the following tenets. That any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, national origin, or political affiliation is inherently superior or inferior to another sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, national origin, or political affiliation. That an individual, by virtue of their sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, national origin, or political affiliation, is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. That meritocracy or traits such as hard work ethic are racist or sexist, or were created by members of a particular sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, national origin, or political affiliation to oppress members of another sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, national origin, or political affiliation. Maybe you think that sounds great. Maybe you think, yeah, teachers shouldn't be able to tell students that anybody is inherently racist or oppressive. But shouldn't they? Shouldn't they be able to tell students that Nazis are inherently racist and oppressive? Shouldn't they be able to say that slave owners were racist and oppressive? Both sidesing isn't necessarily a good thing. They're definites that a teacher needs to be able to establish. And as for meritocracy, that's an inherently conservative position. Meritocracy is racist and sexist. Preaching meritocracy is just entrenching conservative dogma into the curricula, which is ostensibly what bills like this are supposed to avoid. It's blending ideology with education, which is exactly what bills like this are supposedly designed to eliminate. But lines like this highlight that these bills aren't really about making education ideology free, but instilling the right ideology. Other highlights. Not later than June 30th, 2023, and not later than June 30th, each year after, each qualified school shall post on the qualified school's internet website in a manner accessible to parents of students who are attending the school all electronic curricular materials and a summary of educational activities. In addition, the internet website shall list all non-electronic curricular materials and provide instruction for a parent to review the non-electronic curricular materials. Each qualified school shall allow a parent to visit a school during normal business hours in a manner prescribed by the qualified school to inspect non-electronic curricular materials. The curricular materials and educational activities must, at a minimum, be disaggregated by grade level, teacher, and subject area. The qualified school's internet website described in subsection B must include a functionality that allows a parent of a student to opt out of or opt into curricular materials and educational activities as defined by statute or approved by the governing body under state law. A student who has opted out of curricular materials or educational activities under section 4E of this chapter must continue to 1. 
receive instruction during the time period during which the student has opted out, and two, remain compliant with the instructional time requirements. This, once again, aims to strip teachers of their autonomy. If the entire curriculum is online available for the world to assess, then the assumption is that the curriculum won't change. This takes away the ability of educators to be flexible and respond to the needs of their students. And letting parents have the option of having their students opt out of any lessons they don't like kind of nullifies the point of public education. If you're going to only have your students learn lessons that you choose, then why are you sending your kids to a school for someone else to educate them? If you're so concerned that your kids only learn curated curriculum that you approve, then you should be homeschooling. Bills like this that strip teachers' ability to teach indicate two important things. One, people have forgotten who public education serves. The people who write these bills write them thinking that public education serves at the will and whim of parents. That education is there to be controlled and to satisfy the desires of parents of individual students. But that is not now and never was the intention of public education. Public education was meant to serve the public. It was meant to create citizens who would be valuable members of the society they would be a part of. Public education is supposed to impart the knowledge and skills that are necessary to be a working and active member of the public. Public education serves the republic, or the demos, not individual parents. If individual parents have a problem with their children being exposed to the things that are required of a public citizen, they have the option of a more private education. And I recognize that sounds unfair. Not everyone can afford a private education. But parents who are so concerned that their child not be a part of the public sphere have the option of homeschooling to keep their child away from the evils of the public. Two, and this is related, it highlights the conflicting goals people have for public education. Educators want to prepare students for the working world and for public life. They want to create critical thinkers and prepare them to be good citizens. A certain subset of parents and politicians want to educate to create students in their own image. They want education to simply imprint upon students their own ideology, unchanged and unchallenged. Parents and politicians want the power to remove anything from education that might make their child think or might challenge their worldview. It seems to me a worldview that fragile that could be so easily shattered by something as simple as a junior high language arts lesson or an elementary school social studies unit has bigger concerns than just what a child is reading at school. I thought this week it might be good if you heard from somebody who was in the trenches, so I reached out to a K-12 teacher I know to get some input. I asked Gina Updike-Terry, an English teacher in Spotsylvania County Public Schools in Virginia, if she would like to share with us what it is like on the ground out there in public education. She sent me the following statement. After book-burning comments brought international attention to my county in Virginia, 
The Spotsylvania School Board rescinded its blanket recall of sexually explicit books due to procedure violations. Despite public pressure and the morality of the topic of book burning itself, there has been no accountability, no reckoning, no apology. Instead, one of the members, Kirk Twig, is now chair of the school board. His first act as chair was to fire the county's well-respected school superintendent. We are one county among many nationwide where fires are stoking regarding education. At first glance, the hot-button topic appears to be books, but books and education are intimately linked. Indeed, English teachers will tell you that there's a beautiful dance between text and life, page and pencil. Actions in Texas, Indiana, Florida, and now in Virginia demonstrate that book attacks are attacks on educators and public education itself because education plays a role in change. And social change impacts perceptions of community identity. And identity crises are hard. Bills that aim to attack critical race theory, which is not taught in K-12 education, have a silencing effect on teachers, creating paranoia over curriculums that have over the decades become more diverse and more realistic in their depictions of American history and life. Such bills turn education upside down. Equity and inclusivity, once noble goals of public education, are now spun as bad words, perceived threats to conservative agendas. With punitive measures now leveled at teachers for the mere perception of creating an uncomfortable classroom, the effect has been that the classroom, once a space of joy for many teachers, is a space of fear. In Virginia, the Department of Education's Statement of Equity calls upon educators to identify and dismantle all iterations of racism and inequity in schools. The VDOE states that the need for a culturally competent educator workforce that maximizes the potential of every Virginia student. I have tried to live up to these goals in my classroom, but I head into a unit on race with nervousness for the first time. Virginia gets a new governor on Saturday, a governor who won in part by playing to parental fears about education and race. My county has no school superintendent. We have a new school board chair who sows chaos and has known ties to the local Tea Party. What do these local and state changes mean for my job? What do these changes mean for Virginia students, for my students, and for my own kids? As a teacher, I am worried. As a parent, I am terrified. As a teacher, I don't discount the role of parental participation in education. But teachers have a responsibility to reach a diverse group of students, and part of this responsibility includes an honest depiction of history and literature and a recognition that while students' experiences may be individual, these experiences are nonetheless connected to communities outside the family unit. We are trained to help students with this process and with the process of education itself. Our professionalism is undermined by calls to take back education. Take back what? The goal of public education is to serve and to serve all, not just the voices of those brandishing torches. Our jobs are to give, to give space for students to find their voices while also exploring the diverse voices of the world, 
to give students the academic and critical thinking skills to move forward into society as productive and responsible and perhaps even empathetic citizens. We are not state-sponsored co-parents. We are professional educators. I don't know how much teachers have left to give. We are worn down by the pandemic, by public, parental, and political hostilities, by low pay and high demands. We will do our best to uphold our obligation to our students and communities, but I know more than one teacher looking at their bookshelves with sadness and dusting off their resumes. Thank you for your insights today, Gina. You're a hero. Gina's testimony is one voice of many. Teachers are breaking beneath the pressures of the pandemic, political maneuvering, and the erosion of public trust. Wherever you are, find out what's going on in terms of your local school board. Make sure your teachers are getting the support they deserve. Make sure your local libraries are protected. This is where community and the public happen. If you value either, please work to protect them. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chiroticast. We really hope you'll join us again. If you have feedback, we'd love to hear it. If you have questions, we'll try to answer them. If you have issues you'd like us to address, send them our way and we'll do our best to get to them. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Email us at elizabeth at chiroticast.com. That's K-A-I-R-O-T-I-C-A-S-T. And we look forward to seeing you next week.